Good morning. All right, I got two asks of you as we get going, just so you know, we're going. Uh, one, grab a Bible if you got one. Two, get out your phone. I know you never thought you'd hear that in this church. Get your phone out real quick. Uh, Jim, can you give me slide three? Uh, I just want you to know, so what I want you to do, you don't have to do this, all right? I'm going to say that, although I think you should. I want you to text midweek to that number, and I want you to think about what I'm going to ask you to do at the end, if you're willing, all right? You don't have to do it. I'm just saying, I want you just to try it. So if you have your phone, you can text that midweek to that number right now, and then we're going to start reading, okay? We're going to be at page 960. We're reading through Matthew still. We're at an important part of the sermon. So I'm going to read Matthew 5, 48 through 618. And as I do it, I want you to uh, listen for words that get repeated. You know, in an oral culture, you hear the same word over and over. Uh, This means it's important. The the person who's speaking wants you to hear and remember the word. So at the end, you're going to turn to someone next to you and say, what word stood out to you the most? Okay? All right. Here we go. Matthew 5, 48. From last week, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You now have become a person who can love like your heavenly Father. 6.1, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men and women to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by people. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So what you're doing may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray, stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, rewards you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like, pray, like, like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men and women when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men and women their fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So it will not be obvious to men and women that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret rewards you. All right, person next to you, what words did you hear the most? Go. I'm not going to ask you, but just keep it in your mind, okay? All right. So uh, what I want to do is uh, my sentence for today is the same as last week. Uh, can you give me, actually give me slide number five first? We've been using this depiction of an iceberg, right? 
the first few weeks from Matthew 5, 21 through 48, we've been saying that Jesus is trying to develop what's under the water. So the sentence has been, slide four, help me develop the person no one sees but is me. Help me develop the person that no one sees but is me. We're all uniquely made by God. Intention, intentional design for specific purposes. You are here for a reason at this place and this time. We're talking about what's underneath so we can become the kind of people that he wants us to be. Can you give me slide five again? What I think is fun about this point in the sermon, though, is it feels like he almost, Jesus transitions. He actually starts talking about what's above the water, what is seen. But he's still talking about why you do the things that are seen. But he's going to start getting into really practical things. So the three things I just read, uh, giving to the needy, uh, prayer, and fasting. If I asked you, what do Christians do? Like, what, 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 what's, we don't like to use the word Christian here anymore. But a Christian, what are like three things that you do? I would say you go to church, you pray, and you, like what, you read your Bible? Would those be like the big three? These are the big three in Jesus' day. These are the core things to being a to being a religious person. The things that people see, the things that we think we're supposed to do. He's, he's tackling the big three right here. But there's a problem between what's above the water and below the water. There's this problem of integration. We have this, this root problem as to how we're made. Um, I think when we come out of the womb, we're looking for attention, right? We want to be seen. We want people to see us. We have this deep, deep, deep desire, not just to be seen, but to be loved, to know we have people in our corner who will are good, who are with us no matter what, who will stick by us at all times. We need those people. Problem is that we don't always get that, right? So then we have these other desires, strong desires to meet that same need on our own. But there's this issue because we replace our deepest desire with these other things that we think will make us feel that way. But I'm telling you, we want to be noticed. At our house, we play this game sometimes on a trampoline. I've got a four-year-old and a five-year-old, and I'm going to do it for you. Uh, the girls get on the trampoline, and they, uh, they say, Daddy, we're going to play the Mo Dancers. I say, okay, let's play the Mo Dancers. So what we do is Daddy stands on the side of the trampoline and goes, Welcome to the amazing Mo Dancers. And the girls start out as seeds, and they slowly become flowers, and then they do moves. And they say, Daddy, watch me, watch me, watch me. What's that one called? And they'll like twist and say, what's that one called? And they do something else. What's that one called? And so I just stand there and just watch them and tell them, that was a twist. Uh, that was a double twist. That was a triple cow wow, whatever. You know, all the skating terms, right? I sit and do that. They want me to see them. But I think we could, we live in a very distracted world, right? So what if we are not seen? What if we are not noticed? Well, then we begin to try to find ways to be noticed on our own. So Jesus starts in 6.1. To be careful not to do your acts of righteousness, your, your right, the good things. To do good things in this life. Don't do those good things, those things that you think matter to other people. Don't do those things to be seen by people. Think about, ah, you, you pick your topic. Social media, selfies. Posting pictures of books that we read. Why do we do those things? I want someone to see me. Why do I lead with my job title? Why do I lead with what I just did? Why do I lead with how busy I am all the time? I'm trying to solicit approval from other people. 
I want you to approve of me. So then I do all these good things. There's a famous philosopher who said, do the right thing because it's the right thing. I think Jesus would argue, we just don't do that. We don't do it because it's the right thing. We do it because it's the right thing for me. See me. Notice me. So Jesus is tackling this. He says, don't. He's questioning the motivation for why we do what we do. And because we've been working through what's underneath the water, he's going to say, you won't do it like that anymore. You just won't. Easily, naturally, almost automatically. You've heard those words a lot here. We become people who just are different, right? Okay. So we're going to get into the passage. And uh, if you notice, um, Jesus spends more time in one place than the others. I mean, you actually just look at the words. There's a shorter paragraph, a shorter paragraph, and a really big paragraph. So we're going to do the same thing, okay? we got some ground to cover. We're going to start with giving to the needy. Before I do, though, I forgot. We have to talk about some language. There are three words that get used a lot in here that we have a different idea of what they mean, perhaps, than what Jesus meant here. Did anyone hear the word hypocrites a lot as I read? Yes, hypocrites. So hypocrite in our world means the person who says one thing and does a different thing, right? And I would think that Jesus does not think that's a good thing. If you're a Christian believer, Jesus or not, to say one thing and do a different thing causes distrust. It's bad across the board. It is not a good thing. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. You see, hypocrites in Jesus' day were called hypocritas. They were actors. You give me slide number eight. The theater was a big deal in Jesus' day. So Jesus is not talking about a hypocrite like we think, which is bad. He's talking about an actor. And who are the actors he points out the most? Pharisees. Were Pharisees saying one thing and doing a different thing? Or were they saying something and doing that thing? They, they were doing what they said, but Jesus is saying your motivations are wrong. And I got to give the Pharisees a quick break. You know, we were pretty hard on them, rightfully so, I would say, uh, although we're kind of like them. Uh, you know, do you know why? We studied the exile for forever here. Remember that? Exile. People got led by their noses thousands of miles. They got totally destroyed. Why did they get destroyed? Because they had a disregard for the law. And the law, according to Jesus, back at the beginning of the sermon, was about people. They disregarded people. And they disregarded God. And they were destroyed. So the Pharisees are like, out of fear, perhaps, I don't want to be destroyed again. How often do we do that? Do the right thing out of fear, a scarcity mindset, right? So that's why they're doing what they're doing. But she's saying, oh, he spends so much time with them because I think they're kind of close. You guys are close. And Pharisees actually, try, they saved Jesus' life like twice. So there are some decent Pharisees, I think. He said, you're so close, but your motivation is just wrong. All right? That's first, hypocrites. It's different than how we think. Next is, uh, I think I put down rewards. Yeah, so as I'm noticing, there's always rewards in this whole thing, right? And so if I'm an actor and I'm on stage, what happens? What's my reward? Immediate praise, but then my praise is over. So the rewards of the hypocrite are present, past. But if I'm not, if, if I'm the kind of person who's willing the good of another, if I'm choosing people, if I'm becoming the kind of person who loves easily and readily, if I forgive people and I show grace to people, would you say that would improve your relationships now? So my reward is present, and then I carry, we've said this, that character into the future. So the rewards are present, future. So if your motivations are wrong, present, past rewards, it's over, it's one time thing, it's gone. But if I'm different, if I've been de developing what's underneath the water, my rewards are present, future. 
It's rewards. It's different. And third one is secrecy. He talks about doing stuff in secret. But weird thing is, Jesus begins his sermon by saying, let's see, where is that? Essentially, do your good deeds before men and women so they can praise your Father in heaven. Hold on. So which one is it? Do I do it in front of people or do I not? And sometimes we do nice things for people. We never tell them why. And then they're left just like, I don't know why they were kind. I have no idea. But again, he's after motivation. If you did it for the right reason, because you wanted to love them, you want them to flourish, become all they've created to be, you can tell them those things. Tell them why you did it. Call out the good things in them. I remember one time I know somebody who gave a car to somebody in secret because this person was just an incredible person and they were loving people like crazy. But they dropped the car off in the middle of the night. And the person was totally confused. I found out later. Why did I get a car? I have no idea why I got a car. That was a really nice thing. But how much better would it have been, maybe, if you said, you know what? Man, you are just investing in so many young people right now. And we know your family's in a tough spot, but we, just, we love you. Could we give you this gift? Because we have been given gifts. There's relationship. There's an ability to, to grow together. So it's like an unkept secret. He's not saying do it in secret. Don't tell anyone because we'll see that's not what he's actually talking about. He's saying, what's in your heart? Because if that's the case, then you're just going to do good things just because you do. All right, let's go. We doing good? Oh, man, I love that. I thought that was so cool when I learned that. All right, so we got the big three. We're going to start giving to needy. We're going to jump to fasting. We're going to come back to prayer. Jesus says this in verse 2. So when you give to the needy, look for the theater language. Do not announce it with trumpets. So when a person in the theater came on stage, you sat, uh, that slide again, slide 8, you sat kind of far away without cameras like we have. I can't see their face. And I'm here to see the famous actor. Who's your favorite actor? Anybody just yell at your favorite actor. Who? Tom Selleck. Oh, Blue Bloods, you got it. I would say Denzel Washington. I like how he walks. I like how he talks. If he's in a movie, I haven't seen all of his movies, but I'm like, I just, I like Denzel. You know what I mean? So you want, you want to see your favorite actor, right? But I can't see. I don't know when they come out. Because I can't, it's far away. So what would they do? They would blow a trumpet, a little trumpet. So if I'm in the crowd, I know, oh, Denzel's on stage. Pay attention. That's why I came. So he says, don't do that. Don't announce it with trumpets when you do good things for people. Don't do that. Don't come out, out front. What does he want to say? I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know, I don't even like the word give anymore. Because when I give something, I feel like it was mine to begin with. I gave it to you. But we sing a song here all the time. It's my favorite song. It's called the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. We get good gifts to share. It's not mine. I can share it with you. Because it wasn't even mine to begin with. Different mentality. But don't, it's like, uh, yeah, sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting in my head here a little bit. But do it in a way where your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. That's just confusing. That's like me saying, don't think about banana fritters. What do you think about right now? Path, banana fritters, which you're going to go and enjoy afterwards, right? No. He's just saying, it's just going to happen naturally. You're not even going to think about it. It's just part of who you are. You're, just, you're going to share because 
You know it's not yours, but you know, you know it was a gift. It's like when I go downstairs and watch people volunteer to, 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 to raise my girls downstairs and, and to lead the kids' ministry. Oh, I am so grateful for how they just, we, we need more adults down there. I could do a Sunday. I'll share. Of course, I would love to. My kid's down there. I'll go. It's just part of who we are. That's what he's saying, all right? Next one, fasting. Let's jump ahead. Verse 16. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces. Hypocrites are actors, and what do actors put on their faces? Makeup. They disfigure their faces. So he's talking about people who are putting on something so you see, some, you think something about them, even though there's something behind them. Don't do that. Look sharp. Because your father who is unseen sees what is done. So these are things Jesus says we should do, right? When you do these things. So when you share with the needy, when you fast, when you pray. So I've been trying to figure out fasting for quite a while now. And so I want to say this. Uh, if you need to check with a doctor about fasting before you do, please do. I'm saying that. There's health reasons, okay? But I heard a teaching on fasting once that struck me. He said, oftentimes we will, we will give up, we'll fast from things that we don't need. He said, but when you fast from food for a meal, you need food. It is a need to live. I need food. So when you fast and you take that time and you say, God, I'm open to you right now. I am starving. Like my stomach is rumbling. I'm hangry. I'm actually going to fast by myself somewhere else. What do you have for me today? I'm willing to put aside a thing that I need because I love you and I want you. That person who taught it went to say, we have all kinds of strong desires. But when we learn to give up things that we need, he said sometimes it spills into the other things that we don't need. And I think, you know what? If I can give up food, which I need desperately, I can give up Netflix tonight, sit with my wife. I can give up you name it. I can give up things I think I desire. So I've learned to give up something I truly desire. Because I have a deeper need, which is to be loved, to be seen by God, and to be in love and relationship with other people. So fasting. But don't fast today. Eat banana fritters. All right. And then prayer. This is the one that struck me. It's way longer. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, the actors who stand out on, in the synagogues, on the street corners, because they've received their, their reward. Instead, it says, go into your room, close the door, and pray. I learned this. So the original word there was probably closet. And we have changed it to room, because who goes into their closet to pray? But I learned this. I was watching a teacher who was a rabbi. And he said, do you want to know what your prayer closet is? Talk about things in secret, not in secret, too. He said, this is not it, okay? You wear something if you're a person in Jesus' day. And your prayer closet was this. Do you know if I'm praying right now? If this is what we do, and I just cover my head and go into my closet to pray? Yeah, you know that I'm praying. What I'm praying is between me and God, but you know that I'm praying. That's the prayer closet. People could see, people knew that you were praying. I thought that was fascinating. Go into your closet. Because a lot of us don't like to pray together. I know why. It's hard. You're not sure what to say. Good news for us. Jesus told us. He keeps going. 
So this is then how you should pray. And we say that every week, right? Learn, though, that they have found this prayer that predates Jesus by 30 to 40 years. It's called the Amidah. It's a prayer that Jesus' disciples prayed every single day. It was called a standing prayer. You would go to synagogue, and you had to pray with 10 people. You had to say the prayer out loud with 10 people. If you didn't have 10, you couldn't say the prayer. So chances are, I pray it multiple times at synagogue every single day. Because I have 10 people up front here, and I'm going back. I see CJ. He's like, I got seven people. Get back here. I, I, I need three more. So I join into their prayer. And you say it multiple times. So this is a prayer that his disciples knew. That would be striking, right? That, the same prayer we've been praying? That, that, is, is that it? And here it is. They found it. Put it on the screen. I think it's slide number uh, 12. Our Father, the one who dwells in heaven, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come as we do your will here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the bread of today. Deliver us from the evil one. Cursed be he. What's missing in their prayer? Anybody catch it? Forgiveness. Forgiveness was God's work. So this whole thing, the sermon, is about how to be in relationship with God, relationship with people. What is one of the, maybe the most important thing to a vibrant relationship? Forgiveness. So Jesus is saying, you guys don't know how to pray. You just pray. But I need you also to ask for and offer forgiveness. And forgiveness is hard. And so as I'm getting ready, I'm not sure what to say all the way about forgiveness because there's so many, to miss say things causes pain. And people remain in situations and places that are painful and harmful. So I asked a wise person, forgiveness, how would you best describe it? I said, it's like, it's like you have a fishing pole and you have someone on the hook and they're on the hook for a reason. They did something to be on the hook. Maybe I'm on the hook. There's a reason to be on the hook. And I don't want to let them off. I said, forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. Forgiveness is simply taking the fishing pole and handing it to Jesus saying, you have to do it. I'm going to release them to you so that I can truly live. I thought that was so good. It's not letting someone off the hook. Our relationship may never be the same. But I can release them to Jesus. And he'll deal with that. No, I was reading the story of Jonah. It's so hard. Why don't we want to do that? Remember the story of Jonah? It's not just about a big fish. He's supposed to go tell people to repent, to ask for forgiveness. Why doesn't he want to go? The end of the story. Because God, this loving Father, forgives them. And he says, I knew you were going to do that. I knew you would do that. That's why I didn't want to come. So I know this is incredibly Difficult work. I read this. Someone said this about forgiveness. 
Forgiveness, though, breaks the cycle of violence and vengeance. Someone has to break it, otherwise it keeps going. But someone has to absorb the debt. Like, that's the hard part. You will have to absorb, if you're the one who has to forgive, some of the wrong you never should have had to carry in the first place. It hurts terribly. It feels like a kind of death. But Jesus came to suffer so well, so we know how to suffer well. Because in the process, we're made more like him. So we then get to participate in the process of repairing our world. What's above the water and below? And the person wants to say, I follow Jesus because he did that for me. Last week, I thought about on the cross, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So story to end. Invite the band up. I learned about a person this week who, uh, a story about a simple prayer that I think has elements of forgiveness. So a person, uh, uh, Mount St. Helens, and Mount St. Helens blew up, right? I learned about it this week. Uh, apparently, before it blew up, when it did, there were 210 square miles of destruction, or 50 people died. I read this. This would be wild to me. You could see it coming. There was a bulge on the side of the mountain, a mile in diameter, and it was moving up six feet at a time. So you're watching this thing. It's about to just be destroyed, and you're watching it happen. But I heard about a person this week who thought it was still a good idea to climb it at that time. And they're climbing, and they're a, a known a person who said they were an atheist. I don't talk about that word later. I don't believe in God. There is no God. It begins to blow. He starts running. And as he's running, does anybody else remember a Walkman? Walkman? His Walkman had the record fu uh, function. He begins to record his last statements as he's running. Later on, he goes back a few weeks later to listen to what he said because he lived, surprisingly. All he kept yelling over and over was, oh, God, save me. Help me, God. Jesus. He should not have been climbing that mountain. He was on the hook. And he starts running down the mountain saying a simple prayer. And God forgave him. And he became a Christian. And he is now a follower of Jesus. So I had you start with that text. So I'm just inviting everybody to come pray this week. On Wednesday. We're going to use that prayer. I heard someone say this. I know it seems like we say the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. It's like, why do we do that over and over again? And the person who was wiser than me said, because if you say it enough times, it becomes enough a part of you, the prayer will start talking back to you. And the words that are in that prayer start to become how you live. Kingdom come. I'm looking for the kingdom. Place where his will and his reign. Daily bread. Just today, God. Meet us today. It's this beautiful prayer. And if you come, I think it'll talk back. Let's pray. God, just amazed, uh, Father, by your, for who you are. 
what you have chosen to do for us, how you love us. I just, prayer is always that someone in this room who deeply needs it would get an incredible sense of your nearness, of your love, of your forgiveness, and your grace. In that passage, Jesus kept saying each time that we long to be seen, and he always concluded each statement with, your father sees. Your father sees. This good father sees you. I just pray that in these next moments that someone feels seen.